almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonio trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the back. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Five-star final, Jason Jones from the Mothership and Jerry South Soccer. Some of the time, and Joe Patch from Nigel Behind the Game. And Jerry South Soccer all the time is over there, Kirk Castle on the intro. The song is Chances. You can find it on Spotify and wherever else music exists these days. If you hear anything rumbling around in the background, it's just the fine dog. Ignore her. Ignore her. Uh, the fine dog causing trouble. We, Damn good dog, Causing though. so much trouble. We had to... We had to adjust our schedule a little bit because of the fine dog <laughs> yesterday. The fine dog was a little too excited for the transfer rumors and the breaking news about Paula Fonseca and everything like that, which actually, you know what? It worked out pretty well. We have a better, as you said before the show, we have a better understanding of the picture right now for Atlanta United. But frankly, it's still one of those pictures that you have to stare at a really, really long time. And then it like turns into a sailboat or it's something like schooner. that. It's a schooner. It's a schooner. We don't know what that schooner looks like or if it has rudders or if it is aiming towards any particular direction mm-hmm. but it is it, it, it exists there are things happening there's a lot happening almost too much happening that i'm for me to be comfortable with. <laughs> there's like uh, rumors for obviously the tiago amada rumors there's rumors for numerous other players potentially how this is all coming potentially coming to fruition no earthly idea uh, obviously, the coaching search is underway as well, or not underway, but having going into a little bit of a uh, diversion, I guess. <laughs> Who knows what's happening there? Side um, quest. Yeah, maybe yeah. is Rob Valentino just going to take over interim for a long time? Who knows? Uh, so that's a little disconcerting. I think I think Fine Dog was was just kind of uh, voicing the way that we all felt yesterday at that time, just. Just not knowing what's going on. But we'll try to make as much sense of it as we can today. The five stripe fine dog, always on the pulse of five stripes, country, nation, world. I don't know what it is at this point. <laughs> uh, but that little small section of the universe does have something to celebrate. Joe Patrick, uh, Miles Robinson gets gets the big winner. Oh, man. And I think we should start with that just for like two seconds because it's a positive thing in a sea of unpositivity. Yeah, no doubt. I wrote yesterday on Dirty South Soccer, um, just kind of kind of thinking out loud about his potential market value, you know, for for a transfer potentially down the line, whether that happens now, whether that happens in the offseason, whenever it might happen. But I mean, clearly, I think that we've maybe underestimated what his value might be. I've put it and I've heard other people just say like $10 million as a potential transfer fee because it's a nice round number, right? It's like yeah. one that comes up in your mind. It's about $2 million more than uh, Gank played, paid for Mark McKenzie. Oh, well, year. there you go. So there's something yeah. to anchor it down to. But I mean, if you think about it, if you think about what he did in that Gold Cup, not just in the final, but throughout the whole tournament, basically locking down that back line um, next to his, whoever his center back partner is, it was James Sands, of course, uh, during those last couple games. I mean, he could very well be a starter, uh, not just in World Cup qualifiers, but in the World Cup, you know, assuming the US, yeah. United States makes it. And if he is a U.S. starter, I mean, just the kind of marketing value alone of having a player like that to other clubs in Europe is going to be mm-hmm. a very big deal. And so that's going to play into transfer values. And so Atlanta United's got to be, um, yeah, be at least thankful that this is all coming together. And by the way, you know, all of it's kind of anchored in my thought about Miles Robinson, which is that he's just a great player, you know, and yeah, um, he's, he's just so good. Uh, I have no doubts that he would be able to step into most Premier League teams and be a starter, be able to do a really good job um you know and that doesn't not to mention bundesliga or, or whatever any other team that might want him so uh, i'm sure he'll have his suitors it's weird i i have heard that there has not been any bids for him which is surprising um yeah. but i'm sure there will be after you know a performance like he had in that gold cup on a more international stage yeah everyone in atlanta knew already right they, no one was surprised it, it was funny to see everyone else kind of like after the tournament like wow hey He's pretty good. Isn't it kind of a cool feeling like seeing like the world or the nation or whoever, you know, like a wider audience, Uh like be witness to something that you've known for a long time. It's kind of fun. Oh, absolutely. No. And it kind of fits in something I mentioned to you yesterday was that like I 
my investment in like the national team is pretty low to be totally honest. Like I get it, but it's just not what I'm attached to. It's kind of more like a, a novelty thing, but damn it. If I wasn't cheering for, for miles and George, like they were my own similarly aged children at that point, you know, it was awesome. Totally. It was just a blast. Every yeah. time, every time the ball went down on that side, on like Bella's side and he had to, you know, mark somebody, it was just like, Oh I was, yeah, I was, I felt nervous like a parent or something. It's really funny, but, and Bella <laughs> did a great job in that tournament as well. I mean, I think a lot of people were expecting him to be a little bit of a, a downgrade or at least maybe defensively on, uh, mm-hmm. uh was it vines? I forget his first name, Sam vines. Sam vines. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Bello stepped into a final against Mexico I, it, with, in a, with a really difficult task, having to mark Tecatito for most of it and did a great job. So uh, hats off to George. And he hasn't played that many minutes in this Gold Cup. So maybe that's kind of a good thing for Atlanta United for him to get a game. 70 minutes. It's like, it's like a solid run out. Good performance. And hopefully he can come back and step into uh, into the club side and, and kind of carry that on. Good news for Atlanta United as well as all those guys get to come home now. The question is, who who are they coming home to? Who is in this house? Who's going to be in this house with them? Who's going to be in charge of the house? It is wild that when they left this team, Gabriel Heinze was the manager <laughs> because oh it feels God. like it's been an eternity <laughs> since <laughs> since that happened. Isn't that just crazy? I was just thinking about that the other day. That's, like, not only will they have had to go through these rumors of the Fonseca, or whatever, but just like they will have to. They don't. They even. Well, I mean, obviously, they are well familiar with Rob Valentino, but not as a manager, you know, so that's mm-hmm. just going to be a wild for them to come back to. It's going to be a heck of a thing for them to come back to. It's going to be a heck of a thing for us right now as we head into business time. It's business. It's business time. Business time, Joe Patrick. And let's try and sort through all of this as best we can. Let's start with what we know for sure, which is that Tiago Amada has begun talks to agree to personal terms to come to Atlanta United, according to reporting from Fabrizio Romano, right? The, the agreement with the Velas is there. We're waiting on personal terms to be agreed with Tiago Almada. Am I right in saying that? That's right. Uh, the reporting is that he is currently uh, in Argentina acquiring his visa, acquiring you know the documentation that he'll need. He's also getting a medical while he's there just to save time. Um, so a medical Shout will be done by Giannetti. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not over yet until you get the the medical clearance. Um, But that will be done in Argentina by a doctor that Atlanta United will, you know, liaise with. And then he will come to Atlanta apparently later this week. So it's got to be either tomorrow or Thursday to actually sign the contract. Uh, I'm still like, I won't believe it until I see it. His, you know, the, the picture on the Twitter account holding the Jersey and whatnot, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's where things stand right now, apparently. But it's just kind of crazy because we are seeing so many other rumors. Yeah. That's what's weird about this. We don't particularly, maybe, maybe Joe, maybe you have gotten the grasp on how this all fits in to the team roster wise and everything like that. As Almada comes in, I don't even really understand how he can fit into this team. I don't know who's going to get bought down. I don't know if someone is going to be transferred out immediately as soon as he comes in. You know, there's yeah. been no reports of anything like that. I don't know how he fits in, let alone the multiple other people that Atlanta United have apparently gone after. Yeah, no, I, I I don't understand it either. And that's why it's still kind of a murky situation because there haven't been any real rumors about Atlanta United players outgoing um they've already yeah. you know th- and, and that's been a big deal for them yeah or that's what we've talked about on this podcast uh one of the more challenging things that they're going to have to do during this trade window is or this trade i'm in baseball um and this transfer window is uh you know getting players out and that we saw them um cut ties with fernando meza with a, a mutual contract you know 
termination, but it's hard to sell players. It's one of the toughest things to do for a technical director. And especially when you're also trying to buy at the same time, also when you're trying to hire a head coach. So it's all yeah. a lot to do. And so I am, I, I don't know how these players will fit together. I think there's either two options. There's either this team has a lot more Tam than we thought, and maybe they were trying to hide the fact that they had Tam to pay down when they were trying to do deals for center backs earlier this season um, because it did seem like earlier this season, whether it was the Giannetti deal or the Alan Franco deal, you know, those, they, it seemed like they had really tight parameters where those transfers had to be for $3 million because like that was all the money they had uh, to, to get a deal done so that they could buy down Marcelino Moreno. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Maybe that was, maybe they have money to buy down, you know, Alan Franco from his DP spot right now and, and add a DP, but I, I'm not sure. I, I certainly would not have expected that. So the other option is that they, you know, are able to move somebody and that somebody would certainly have to be Ezekiel Barco. You know, he's like the only yeah. one that seems to make sense in, in that, in that scenario. And, you know, if that is the case, I don't know how it happens other than, you know, my thought is if it were to happen, it's probably like a loan somewhere, like a short-term loan. I'm thinking of like okay. a short-term loan to club America, like for the Apertura, which would end at the end of the calendar mm-hmm. year. Um, maybe something like that makes sense, but it still seems far fetched. I'm, I'm just kind of throwing out possibilities here. Um, and it certainly, I think when we talk about Almada, we got to talk about the kind of player he is. And I think that that's the concern that a lot of people have, which is that he is an Ezekiel Barco like player, which is not necessarily a bad thing in my opinion. Like the best teams in the world have great, you know, playmakers who can operate in these tight spaces. But the, the, the thing with Barco is that Barco never really turned out to be the player that they wanted him to be. And, uh, you know, I've kind of been joking like Tiago Amada is kind of the platonic ideal <laughs> of what Ezekiel Barco is supposed to be. Um, but I know, you know it's still very difficult to fit in all these playmakers into one team when we know that this team, what they have really needed is some pace, some directness and some help scoring goals. And that's really not the M.O. of Almada. It's one of those things where <laughs> I kind of come back to if we know that, if everyone <laughs> knows that. Why don't they know that, mm. you know, and I just don't, I wonder, I genuinely wonder what the thought process is and why they feel that this is the move they need to make. I think you've kind of said it very well that Almada is the platonic ideal of a secular Barco. Is that it is, doesn't seem really like what this team has been necessarily missing. And it's frustrating to kind of look at that and go, okay, we're about to, to spend all this money on a guy who doesn't know who the manager is going to be and doesn't really necessarily have a place within the team that makes sense immediately. We could turn out to be idiots on this, you know, again, Mm -hmm. I'm the same person who said PT Martinez going to walk the league as soon as he gets in here. Um, But I don't know on the surface, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense even within the team, let alone all the stuff that has to go down for him to even fit into the roster when this gets announced, whenever that is, if this does get announced, there's still a medical. We know how those go at this point. When this gets announced, there's going to be a flurry of news that is going to be pretty jaw dropping. I have to imagine, because as soon as that goes into effect, someone's got to go. Yeah, some some secret allocation money cave has to be discovered and they have to pull all the allocation money out of that and throw it at someone that we didn't even know they had because it would be shocking to me if they bought down Marcy at the beginning of the year and still had enough left over to buy down Alan Franco right this year. Right. We yeah. know that Alan Franco is going to get bought down, but to have it for to do it twice. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. I don't know where you would even get that. Plus, why haven't you already done it? Right. You yeah. know? Yeah, I agree. No, it, it, it's very interesting. And I think that one of the there, there's an interesting aspect to this MLS trade God damn it. I said it again. Transfer window is that it closes well before the European window. And so teams in MLS could still theoretically sell players to Europe after the MLS window closes. Of course, you wouldn't be able to replace that player. You can't add players during the transfer window, but you can always sell players as long as you're selling to a league where their window is open. And so... You know, that's where you know, I've also heard speculation with with a guy like Ezekiel Barco. It's like, well, would, could they just, you know, add Almada or a DP or whoever and then still, you know, sell Barco later? And you could mm-hmm. theoretically, uh, but I don't know. You still have to apply, uh, abide by the 
MLS rules by the time the trade the transfer window closes. So you would have to maybe not register him. I don't I don't know. I have a, I have a thought. Let's could go. They, could they loan a secule to the twos? Oh, and have that be where he just sits for a month. That, until yeah, they get that'd be the holding place. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's actually how that works. Like, <laughs> well, who knows how any of this so works? Even if it were, even if it were, let's just kind of right. go with that real quick. Sure. It would still put Atlanta in a terrible bargaining spot because then it's like teams oh, would yeah. know right. that the player could not rejoin them, that they had to get rid. So teams could kind of just hold them, um, hold them by their feet and just, you know, jangle the money out. <laughs> um yeah, so I don't I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. But it's also fascinating the fact that we not just have Almada, but we have all these other players that have been involved, whether that's um, mm-hmm. this this Cagliari striker who's now, you know, been reported not to be joining Jao Pedro. <laughs> reported directly to me by Fabrizio Romano. <laughs> right. When yeah. I said, hey, yeah. none of this makes any sense. And he's like, no, 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 that guy's not coming. I'm like, well, no, there's this other rumor for Jao Pedro and it's MLS and I can't really explain that to you in a tweet, but it's really hard to do that. And he goes, don't worry, Jao Pedro's not coming either. <laughs> with like, and just casually drops like, this huge news. Like a thumb up, thumbs up emoji. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, man. Cool. Th- thanks for um, too. Yeah. That's the power of the check mark right there. You just ask exactly. a question and it gets answered immediately. Uh, exactly. there was also now we have. Yeah, go ahead. Well, that, there's a, there was also a rumor for Rick, a guy named Ricardo Horta from from Portugal also turned down. Seems like potentially a guy that would be come with Fonseca considering he's Portuguese. But, you know, who knows? Maybe that, that's just me stretching. Um, and now there's a, a new one for Adam Unas. O-U-N-A-S. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but he looks good. And he actually looks like a player that. Yeah. really would fit a need for Atlanta United. But uh, all that to say is I am just terribly confused as to why we're also hearing more rumors for more DPs, considering the fact that we don't know how they would get in one, let alone two. And I'm wondering maybe if these other rumors are potentially for if they don't sign Almada because there have been such shenanigans that have happened with Atlanta United late in these in transfers um, that, you know, they're preparing for something to potentially go wrong. I don't know. It's just it's it's just wild where all these rumors are coming from. And I, it feels like there's like a huge piece to all of this that has just not been revealed to us at this point in time <laughs> with regards to specifically to an outgoing, you know, an outgoing wow. player. So who knows what's yeah, going on? The prestige is coming. Like, yes, it's yeah, going to yeah. happen. Yeah. It's going to be <laughs> like M. Night Shyamalan, good M. Night Shyamalan levels of twistiness. You know, it, yeah. it's going to be interesting yeah, for sure. I, I'm glad at least that these other folks like the, the he's from Marseille. Is that right? The, the most recent one. Yeah. Um, he's from he's from Italy. Uh, oh, OK. Yeah. I completely wrong gun. He may have played there in the past. He's Algerian. Yeah. So a lot of those guys play in the French League. Okay. Um, anyway, but the, the thing is, is where with, with this Napoli, that's what I was thinking. Blue teams. Yeah. Um, they uh, fit a profile. Right. And they fit the profile that it would seem to be like the primary need for Atlanta United. So at least that's encouraging. Right. But again, with the Almada deal, it doesn't seem like that's the focus unless something incredibly massive happens. I will throw out one more thing. I'll say that considering that these guys do fit that profile, is there a chance that they and these reports are coming out because Atlanta United reached out to them potentially as a backup solution to Almada? And that's all this is. Yeah, I mean, right. I think like that's like the least fun one. But right. Like that could just be it. <laughs> I think it could be. I think I think that could be it. Um, and it's why sometimes they kind of heat up and then they go out aflame really quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's one thing I also want to say about all these rumors for all these different players. And I think it's something Atlanta United needs to be really careful about when they sign players is signing players that actually want to be in Atlanta or be in MLS like. Mm. And it's a tough one because I know a lot of players probably wouldn't, you know, if you said to them, hey, what do you what do you think about playing in MLS? If you're a 23, 24 year old player, you're I mean, I understand the the first instinct is probably not like, hell yeah, let's do it. It's probably like, eh, is it would that be a, a good move for me? Um, so I, I understand any like initial hesitations players might have. But at the end, I think like that's something that can be learned from the Ezekiel Barco situation where it was like clearly uh, a, a, an opportunity for the player to come into the league, make his name. And that's something that the, the team is, is you know, wants to do, too. They want to make profits on these players. And, and that's, you know, giving them a, a shop window to perform and and make their big move to Europe is totally understandable. But um, 
it's just a fine line to have to walk. And some of these players, you just you, you need to know that they're going to come in and give absolutely everything they have during the course of a 90 minute match, you know, like giving, you know, putting their body on the line, giving every ounce of energy they have, because that's what you have in championship teams. And that's why sometimes we see in MLS teams that don't have the highest profile players or whatever, but they're still able to win and be some of the most successful teams in MLS because they just have a, a united group of players. Like we see it with the Seattle Sounders. It seems like they, they've they had that forever, where it's like they have a, a, a group of players that's always going to give absolutely everything they have, not so much a collection of individually talented players. It's very funny. You mentioned the Sounders rumors or maybe not even rumors, reports popping up yesterday from Sam Stagecall, the athletic that Atlanta United has requested to interview Gonzalo Pineda, the, the longtime assistant Brian Schmetzer up in Seattle. It's a name I mentioned on the podcast, which probably means it's a terrible idea. But it comes about <laughs> because right before we tried to record the first time yesterday, news broke that Paula Fonseca, who seemed to be the guy for Atlanta United coming into this coaching search, r- rumors and reports popped up pretty quickly that he had toured the training grounds and Darren and Carlos had flown to where was it? Italy somewhere, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I'd flown out to meet him in Europe somewhere. Uh, he had come over and eventually just decided, you know what? Probably not my best interest right now. He had recently interviewed for the Spurs gig as well. So this was like this was a pretty big home run swing. Which, I've been burned like, by this guy twice. <laughs> Yeah, bummer, buddy. I know. I know. Hey, at least you guys have a quality striker like Harry Kane there to to soothe all your insecurities. Sorry. We won't let that hang. Um, but yeah, this was a big swing and a miss. And I'm okay with that, honestly. Like if this was the guy who was on your board as like a man, wouldn't it be great? Like if we could we could give this a shot, you know, and, and they got close. You know, and that's the only reason I got reported is because they got close. Mm-hmm. If, if they had just reached out and he said, nah, not for me, the very first thing, you know, yeah, that never would have come out and we would never have known. But they got close with this. It was a big swing. That's OK. And now it seems that they're making a interesting shift towards a little more practical solution to Atlanta United's problems right now. Yeah, and that's, uh, of course, Gonzalo Pineda, the uh, Sounders assistant coach under Brian Schmetzer, has been there since 2017, I think. Um, And of course, since then, all he's been all he's known is a very successful MLS team. That's one MLS Cup. That's been a runner up. Um, That's been, you know, making deep playoff runs and playing in in continental competitions. So, yeah, uh, I'm. I don't well we'll get into, I'll get into Pineda in a second. I do want to just touch on Fonseca, which is that I kind of feel two ways about it. Um when I heard the news yesterday that it was not going to happen, I I was pretty crushed because um I just thought he was going to be a great fit. I thought he'd be a really good fit tactically with what he wants to do um in tandem with the roster that Atlanta United has assembled. I thought I just thought it would be a really nice fit. Um I also think that he seems like a great guy. So he would have, you know, from that perspective, he would have done really well. I, I heard an interesting story about how he um, was active in arranging a, a thing when he was at Roma, where like the supporters would come and, and be able to like, not just watch the team train, but also get to like meet players mm. and stuff like that. Um, and he was like really instrumental in that. Of course, he dressed <laughs> up as Zorro one time for a press conference we as well, so which is really hilarious and cool. I hate it that we don't have it now. I know. I know. I know. So, um, yeah, so it was uh, it, it was a little bit crushing when when that happened. But um, the, but the, on the other side of it, uh, I, I do think that it's actually good that he turned down a job that he did not seem to want. You know, like he turned down a job like what I was just saying with the players, which was that you don't want to bring in players that. Uh, that don't necessarily want to be here or that are hesitant to being here. And I think the same goes with the coach and you don't want a coach who come in to be like, eh, maybe I can do something, get out of here in a couple of years after a couple of successful years, because then if things start to go wrong, things can start to go really wrong. And I think that that was kind of what happened with Frank DeBoer, which were like, he came to Atlanta thinking like it was going to be a profile raiser for him and he'd be able to get out of there and get to a, a higher profile <laughs> job. Turns out he ended up, getting that anyway (laughs) but um despite the way that it ended but um yeah so i I guess i'm just like okay well if he didn't want to be here it's at least nice that he made that decision and and just you know we don't have to go on with somebody who's kind of iffy about their future here let me ask you this 
Does it feel kind of uncomfortable for you as an Atlanta United person slash maybe a fan in your spare time as well that this almost feels and could be spun as just kind of going after Seattle's leftovers, essentially? You know, it, it doesn't quite fit the MO of the club, but I think we've maybe reached the point where, you know, it's okay to not be the person trying to outdo everybody in the most grand way possible. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, no, I I actually wrote a little bit about that when I was just writing up the Pineda report, which is that these two, Mm -hmm. the profiles of these two managerial targets are so different, you know, and like one is like this more flashier um, European cultured coach who's got all this experience that's in Syria and at Shakhtar, you know, and all the Champions League, all this stuff versus then like the plan B is someone completely opposite, not necessarily on the field. I, I don't really know exactly what Gonzalo Pineda would want to do on the field, but just like in terms of the perception it would create in the media and the fan base and everything from their past experiences <laughs> that yeah, right. you're going and getting, uh, you know, the top OC, you're going and mm. getting Saban's OC or DC, you know, like that's, that's the, what, that's the signing, you know, which is not necessarily a bad thing. We see college football teams have a lot of success with that. Go dogs. Uh, we see, <laughs> we see, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly can be successful. Obviously we don't see it in soccer as much because coaches mm. kind of have their coaching staffs that follow them around wherever, but, um, I'm not necessarily against Pineda. I don't know as much about him, but I'm not concerned with the perception that it is like, you know, the you're picking up some mm-hmm. guy off the scrap heap of a good team. But um, I am just kind of intrigued by the fact that these two targets are so different in that respect. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. No, it, it, I think it all be interesting too. I think people may kind of point out that he interviewed for the DC United job and didn't get it when like Chris Armas was off for the job. I don't know. There's going to be like some <laughs> discussions we have there about whether that's on Pineda or DC United hiring process. And I would lean towards the latter, right? Like this is a guy who, who people seem to really respect. And of course he's going to understand what makes teams work. And I think coming from a culture like Seattle's that is just so predicated on simply putting the guys in the right spot which people don't give Smesher enough credit for. He kind of gets left out of the, the, yeah. of the year discussions because there's not necessarily a incredible tactical wrinkle to what he does. There's nothing uh, extremely definite about his style necessarily, but he puts the good players in good positions, which is something that quite frankly, Atlanta United's last two managers haven't done very well, which is wild to me, you know, because mm-hmm. so, sometimes it's just that mm-hmm. simple. So when you mm-hmm. have a team like yeah. Atlanta United that is outspending everyone by an absurd amount, if Almada comes in, I think the distance between first place Atlanta and whoever the second place team is, as far as transfer fees coming in, is like $50 million dollars. It is an absurd amount. Like Atlanta United will have spent 87 million and the next closest team would have spent 37. So theoretically, when you have a team with that much talent and ability, yeah, that's wild. You should just be able to put them in the right positions and have them succeed. If Pineda can come in and do that, establish a culture where people give a shit about each other and want to win, you know, and understand that winning is is the thing, you know. And okay, easy enough. Maybe he'll hang around for 15, 20 years too. Who knows? You know, it's a lot more long term. It's a lot more pragmatic. And like mm-hmm. I said in the last show, yeah, it's time for Atlanta United maybe to to come home to a nice warm meal, to have some clean sheets on the bed, to not be sleeping on a mattress on the floor anymore. <laughs> it was fun for a while. It was fun, sure, but you're kind of crashing out now. You need to steady yourself and maybe, I don't know, sit down <laughs> and appreciate some shows on cbs like the rest of us that have said you know <laughs> yeah. i did have some opinions on the survivor man Lanny united yeah don't exactly. knock it till you try it um <laughs> yeah no I, I i wrote in the in the little report about stay school scoop uh, about pineda that maybe it's a feature and not a bug you know the fact that mm-hmm. pineda is uh, maybe a guy who's not going to be as like intricate or detailed or whatever tactically uh, i don't i don't want to like set that in stone i, I really don't know much about Pineda yeah. at all in, uh, in terms of what he, what he wants to do tactically so i don't want to like put him in a corner and say he's like he is brian smetcher what did Carlos bookenegger say about gabriel Lanze? you don't know who they are until they walk in the door <laughs> that's right that's <laughs> same right. thing applies yeah so yeah but unless yeah, for sure unless joe patrick the person walking in the door 
is Tata Martino. Miles Robinson oh. wants him to come home. Wants him to come. Nothing. Nothing <laughs> is broken on, on Tata Martino's status with El Tree. I kind of feel like if they were going to do anything, they would have anger done it, like emotionally fired him on Monday. You know, right. so I think he's yes, probably yes, staying agree. with Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very fun to consider that Miles was was eager for Tata to come back. So he scored that goal against him to uh, increase the uh, the job market process for Tata there. So don't think so. Yeah, he, he survived. He survived that mm-hmm. that danger zone period <laughs> of getting canned immediately after a, a failure in a tournament, which was uh, which was great to see from our perspective. Um yeah, no, Pineda would be I'm I'm open to it. I'm definitely open to the idea of it. I think that it probably wouldn't be as bad as some of, you know, some coaches, especially European coaches. I think just in general, we talk about like moving the needle and how Gonzalo Pineda wouldn't really move the needle uh, from from like a media perspective or anything like that. But really what this team needs is not somebody who can move the needle when they get signed. It's somebody who's going mm-hmm. to help this team win games because this team will become relevant again in the city when they're in the playoffs and, uh, you know, dominating MLS like they had in the past. And so that's really what it comes down to. So you just need a coach that's going to help you do that in whatever manner is possible. And whatever manager that is, whatever profile they have, wherever they come from, doesn't really matter if they can get this team playing. Well, that's what the front office needs to focus on in terms of who they they target guys like Jim Curtin, you know, And, and Jim's a sweetheart, but like, He's not mm-hmm. this outlandish yeah, yeah. personality or anything like that because it, it doesn't have to be that. Tata was extremely kind and good with the media and everything like that. But it's not like he was, you know, giving like victory speeches in the post game press conference or anything like that. You know, it doesn't have to be something amazing for this club to rally around from like a, a charisma perspective. It just needs to be someone who treats people well and gets the job done. That's it. That's it. Atlanta United did not get the job done against Orlando City over the weekend. I guess we're going to talk about this. I guess we have to. This is Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Time Game Time. Really got to the new song. I think I'm going to do like a Billy Joel. We can start the fire. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Game Prime Time. Sports Prime Game 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 Time, Joe Patrick. And for a moment there, for a moment there, things were good. (laughs) We we wanted to, (laughs) we had... We had an incredible moment where it seemed like everything was coming together. It was like the storybook beginning, I guess. We did not get the storybook ending. Orlando did, actually. Isn't that fun to see them so happy and emotional and excited? This this game seems like it happened ages ago. Yeah. Like, I feel like it happened so long ago. For it happened on trade deadline day for the for in Major League Baseball, which was a busy day for me personally. And then um, obviously we had all these coaching rumors and all these transfer rumors still coming in. So it's kind of funny. It feels like it's been swept under the rug a little bit. And also just having a game on a Friday, and then now we're recording this on a Tuesday. So it kind of has been longer ago than most games that we think of. But yeah, you know, I think that this one is just really tough to stomach because you get two goals that are incredible strikes from Joseph Martinez, Marcelino Moreno. And I think just like as a soccer fan, you're used to winning those games. Like when something like that happens, it's like, okay, that's the thing. That's like that little edge that we needed to win the game. And usually, you know, it will result in that. But I think what we saw was just a team that is depleted, a team that is fatigued. Um, You know, Mikey Ambrose started the game where I think it was his first start of the season and he still had to be just pulled at halftime because I think he came off at halftime because he I mean, he was it was really bad. He was just getting run past Mm -hmm. over and over again. Um, Orlando was just dominating Atlanta on both wings. Atlanta struggles so much marking players in the box um, coming in from crosses, whether it's a set piece or whether it's from open play. Um, and that's rough. It's, it's rough to lose in that fashion where it's like it's not like, well, Orlando was creating, but you could have stopped them if you had maybe your top players like, you know, Bellow and you you clearly missing some of your top players. Um, but also, especially by the second half of the second half, you could just tell it was a team that was just dead on their feet. Joseph Martinez looked dead on his feet to me mm. at, the, there was, at the 37 minute mark. I, oh, he, he keeled over and I was like, OK, yeah, he's like done. <laughs> uh, and I thought maybe the halftime break would give him a little bit of a rejuvenation, which maybe it did for a few minutes. But um, it just looked like a team that was dead on their feet out there, which was tough to see. Yeah, no, it 
really wasn't close to be quite honest. It, it yeah. should have been worse. It, it, the XG was just not good. Orlando created a ton of chances, and Alec Can stood on his head, Alec, huh? and they still gave up three goals. Phenomenal, and he is. Have we had the talk yet? Have we talked to you and and your I, children and everyone else about <laughs> Alec Khan as the Lane United starting goalkeeper? Because he's simply he's, he's better, isn't he? He's just better. Is it's a small sample yeah. size, but he's better, right? Well, right. Like, that's the thing is like you could have some long debate talking about who's better in some broad sense. But I think that right now you're looking at form. You're looking at you got to try to win the any your next game, however possible. And I don't see how you take out a goalkeeper who's performing at the level can is stopping shots the way he is and insert a player in Brad Guzan who hasn't played a match since, um, I don't know, when was the last match Brad Guzan played? Generally no idea. It would have been in Atlanta sometime, like well before they, you know, when they left for the Gold Cup. So he hasn't even been playing. And, I mean, that's, 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 it's tough for Guzan that that would happen. But, you know, for me, I don't see how you can remove uh, Alec Can from this, from this lineup. And I, it's, it's just a tough situation because I think is Brad Guzan the captain or is he like He's the, one of them, the vice captain? No one really yeah, knows. So, it's it's tough. So uh, American Soccer Analysis has their goals added metric now for goalkeepers. All right. Here, here's mm. the list. Brad Stuver of Austin, who's probably going to if he keeps it up, he's going to be the goalkeeper of the year. He's first. Andre Blake, Pedro Galese, Alec Khan. Wow. It, that's wow. absurd. You know, that, that is a, a crazy list to be on uh, for keepers only played. It looks like 500 minutes this year and for him to be the fourth most productive out of those guys so far is, is wild is wild, you know, and it's not like Brad Guzan was playing terribly, you know, he was playing fine, but he just, when your team is Atlanta United and you are going to play these open games like that, you know, you need someone who can stop shots and, and yeah. Alcon seems to be the dude who is just a little more spry at this point. And it goes back to another thing we've been frustrated with a lot with a, for a long time, which is just the absurd money Gazan is making to add a position that you can replace pretty easily. in MLS, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. what is Alec Khan's salary? Is it like 600,000 less than, I don't than even know. Yeah, I have gotta no be. idea. You know? Yeah. I haven't checked. It's gotta be the, the thing about can that's funny is that, um, how many times were, were were fans seeing him stop shots during this stretch when Guzan hasn't been here and like thinking to themselves, there's no way Guzan saves that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like because like they have a different skill set and, you know, Ken is just very, very good at, you know, those reflex stops. Yeah. Um, Guzan's like a bigger guy who does more. You know, he, he can control the box a little bit better on crosses coming in, which could help this team because, you know, they do struggle dealing with that. Um, but, he, you know, he's more of a physical presence as a goalkeeper where Alec Ken is more just stay on his line and and um and make those reflex saves and right now it seems like atlanta is benefiting from from what can brings and again i just keep going back to form like i don't i don't understand i wouldn't understand it if they were to pull alec can and it would certainly be one of the first questions i were to ask the (laughs) manager if they did do that because i just don't see how you can remove a player who's in such good form for a player who has not even been playing games recently speaking of the manager rob valentino uh one i have a piece up on the mothership about him go check that out uh, talks about a little bit about his history uh, with Orlando City and just displaying history and everything like that. It's on MLSsoccer.com. The other thing is that the manager, Rob Valentino, threw in a few tactical wrinkles in this one. And namely, I want to talk about the biggest one, I think, which is Brooks Lennon moved up. Brooks Lennon moved to a wing spot. I think Ronald Hernandez started to right back and then Mikey Ambrose on the left. And of course, we already talked about it. Mikey got towards he just got torched straight up and down, which I hope someone from Atlanta United was watching that game because Orlando City has turned themselves around with the play of their wingers, right? Sylvester Vanderwater, Chris Mueller, Nani, all those dudes, unreal, right? And they create so many problems, so many problems. Atlanta United couldn't handle it. But for a little while there, uh, you know, I enjoyed seeing Brooks move up a little bit. It's something we thought about for a while. What did you think of it? Yeah, definitely. No, I, I think he's it just kind of opens up his game and, and allows him to be more attacking. And he's been one of Atlanta's better, you know, offensive threats this season, just with the uh, just with the way he runs, you know, the, the amount of energy he has. And I think that when he's playing in that more forward position, he has he feels more licensed to 
do more interesting runs instead of just hugging that touchline. He will come inside a little bit and do something a little different, something that changes up um, the way that opponents are used to seeing Brooks Lennon come at them. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I really I hate to, to like rail on him so hard, but I don't think we can have this conversation actually without talking about a guy who didn't even play in this game, which is Jurgen Dam. Oh, no. And to me, like, I think a lot of people forget that Jurgen Dam is on the team yeah. because he just doesn't play. Um, despite the fact that he makes $1.5 million this year, he's the, he's the second highest paid player on the team to Joseph Martinez in terms of just a salary. Um, it's like really unacceptable that he is either not, if he's not fit, if fitness is an issue, in my opinion, he should be playing with Atlanta United too. Like that's what the team is there for partially is to help get, you know, first team players in position in shape, um, get them match sharp to play games. If the fitness is not an issue and you're deciding to push Brooks Lennon up to play on the right wing and bring, you know, and move Ronald Hernandez over to play right back and bring in Mikey Ambrose to play left back, you're essentially like choosing <laughs> Mikey Ambrose over Jurgen Dam. And then later in the game, you bring in Machop Chol as the as the substitute winger when you did have to remove Ambrose um, instead of Jurgen Dam. So anyway, all that to say is that uh, I did like seeing Brooks Lennon up there. And I think he is a better option than Jurgen Dam mm-hmm. at, at the right wing spot. So I totally understand why uh, Rob Valentino would have decided to do what he did. Um, so from that perspective, I can't knock it. It's just a shame. And, um, you know, obviously we, we saw just the kind of... <laughs> The way that the way that, you know, Mikey Ambrose being in the squad and it's kind of tough because I I think that if Mikey were to he hasn't played many games either. And so, like, I don't think that he was necessarily match sharp. And I think that if he were, we would have seen it. We've seen a better Mikey Ambrose in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a tough situation for this team right now where they have lots of players just trying to plug holes. But uh, and then you see Brooks London go down, too. And Mm -hmm. that's going to be a big loss. Uh, I'm not sure exactly if uh, there was a report from Rob Valentino on how long he's going to be out. Because uh, I wasn't at media yesterday on Monday, but um, he was holding his groin when he came off, which is never good. That's probably like a soft tissue injury, which would mean he's going to be out for, you know, at least a, a couple weeks. So that'll be a big loss because he's one of those guys who's played almost every minute for this team this season. Yeah, I didn't see any reports on that, but that would be pretty huge. It would be a bummer, too, because I think when George comes back and you have a little more security at left back, you could comfortably, I think, put Ronald Hernandez at right back and try Brooks Lennon back at the wing again. Uh, Mm -hmm. That would make sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it it definitely would. Okay, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully Brooks is okay. Uh, We'll get an update on that sometime soon but first we got to update you on the experiential happenings at lucid fc during this quick break and before we get back into the show did just want to shout out once again our partners at lucid fc for bringing you this episode of five stripe final they've got a new shop out um, in buckhead it's right behind the whole foods there uh, the address is 3209 paces ferry place northwest if you want to write that down or google it or whatever but i cannot wait to see what they get done there because i think that that shop is going to be um experiential to say the least these guys are really creative and uh, i think that it'll be more than just a a place to sell clothes. So that would be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. They've got their new spring summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online called This is a Modern World. It's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra extra large, and the uh, price points from eight dollars to three hundred and eighty dollars. So there's something in there for everybody, uh, and it has just launched, and it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, Lucid FC. Dot us and maybe pick up yourself some uh, some modern world clothes. Wow, what a break! What an incredible break! The best break ever. You guys had plenty of questions about everything going on in the Atlanta United universe right now. We'll start with this one from Jonathan Flag of United States. Uh, is Khan replacing Kazan a real possibility or just something fans want? And I think we already kind of hit on it. It seems like real. Possibility. Can we can we firmly put this in the plausible category, Joe Patrick? Should be. I, I certainly hope it is. If it's not, then that's actually concerning. So, yeah. All right. There we go. There we go. Parker asked, do you expect some of the issues with defending to resolve with Miles and Bella coming back? Or is this just something we have to accept with current tactics and talent? It's definitely going to be more open. 
it's definitely going to be a little more hectic from here on out, but it will improve. There's no question about that. I don't think I kind of wonder, I think I'm not sure if Atlanta gets out of there with all three points against Orlando, but I think maybe they come out with one, you know, uh, considering how much Bellow and miles are going to help this team defensively, you know? So, I mean, just considering it from that perspective, just little points like that, those build up, it'll help a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think it's kind of funny because I think in in this in the Orlando game, I think George Bellow would have been the one that really would have saved Atlanta, um, just because he would have been replacing you know Mikey Ambrose, the guy who was just ineffective in the game and and was uh, an area that Orlando was able to exploit. So yeah, I mean, I definitely like having your best players is going to help. Um, Orlando was also missing Daryl DK, so it's not like both you know both teams were affected by it. But I do think that it'll clearly help Atlanta a lot to get these players back. The other thing I would say about miles coming back though is that um you know this team still has had two pretty capable mls center backs playing without him mm-hmm. in anton walks and uh, alan franco so at least they've had that um and it seems to me i don't know if this uh, this is purely just me to thinking rem- trying to remember the goals off the top of my head but it feels like a lot of the goals they've conceded on some of these um crosses coming in are, are kind of like from the fullbacks not picking up guys like at the far post or whatever so uh, or near post or whatever so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's still some work to do there uh, in the fullback department that my, that Bellow would be able to help with for sure. Speaking of Miles Robinson, uh, Kirk Hasselhoff's Miles Robinson returns home, a conquering hero, a titan of the battlefield, a favored son of his nation. How much longer can we expect him to remain in our fair hamlet until greater adventures draw him elsewhere? Questioned like a true auteur for <laughs> Kirk Castle. Um, it's, it's a good thought, though, because, I mean, you said it already, Joe, the 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 hype is building up. The the teams are going to take a little more notice of what he can bring to the table now, especially as he almost certainly moves into what should be some kind of starting role with the USMNT. Does he last this window? I think this window he does, but I, I would certainly expect him to be moved in the offseason. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's it's unfortunate because he's such a good player. You know, he's been such a good player for this team for so long. And it, he, he's he been not just good, but he is kind of that because of the position that he plays. He's kind of the warm blanket where it's like, OK, as long as we have miles, then everything's going to be OK. <laughs> <laughs> and so it gets a little scarier when he's not in the lineup. But um at the end of the day, it's also beneficial for the club to be able to, you know, make a, a profit in the transfer window off of a potential transfer fee and be able to use that to invest into the squad. So, um, you know, you would hate to see him go. But at the end of the day, the club will only sell him if, you know, it's going to benefit them long term. So and it, and it would be good for the player as well. We'll always love Miles wherever he ends up going. Um, so it will be fun to watch him. But yeah, I mean, I would expect him to be to be out of here relatively soon. He should for for the good mm-hmm. of his career. He's 24 years old. It's time for a player like him. If he really wants to play at the highest level, got to move on. I think if he does go in this window, it's a sign that the punt is on. If, if Atlanta United comes out and loses like four straight games here, you know, and, and playoffs really, really start to see him out of reach. Maybe that's a possibility. But considering that they're bringing in folks like Almada, I don't think that's in the plans. If there were rumors, if we if we if there were rumors for Miles Robinson, I would think that he would be going this window. Okay. The only reason I don't think he is is because there's just not really anything out there seems like to me but it does seem like he would be a player that would help this team open up a dp spot by you know being able to not just remove his wages from the from the picture and the 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 tan that you're already spending on him but also additional tan that you get or allocation money that you get from the league that they could help to use to buy down somebody else speaking of transfers john leach asked this he says how many transfers can the fo realistically get done before the deadline we have like one roster spot and one million seven hundred twenty seven thousand seven hundred twenty seven rumors need commas Yeah, need commas need commas there next time john come on <clears throat> uh we kind of mentioned already we we don't really know we just don't know and we won't know until it goes down isn't that fun isn't that just nice <laughs> i and wish i feel like i'm like not doing my job well enough by not being able to answer these questions but that's the whole thing about mls is that it is on purpose like it is <laughs> a feature, not a bug that these, that this information is guarded because it's what gives them leverage when they're trying to negotiate. Mm-hmm. So we really don't know what the situation is. I mean, I've even, I've DM'd with people. I, I asked Tom Bogey the other day, Hey, Hey buddy, wh- what, how can they do this? And Tom went, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, cool. Okay. Awesome. That's reassuring. 
Um, you know, so it, all you you just do what you can and hope you don't have anyone in your front office get you know uh, suspended from the league. Exactly, to make another Jesus to make another college football <laughs> reference. I've always kind of thought about it for me, like how I kind of follow recruiting. Like I don't really stress about it until it happens. It's almost like waiting yeah. on the decisions of eighteen year olds, except it's just. A lot more money at this point. Well, kind of now, but <laughs> it's eighteen-year-olds with a lot more on the exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So these things change all the time. It's probably best not to worry about them until they happen. It's fun to keep up with, sure, but like let's let's not stress too much. Your, your life will be better. Your your quality of life will be better, and we're hoping that the quality of life will be better for the next guy that moves to LA United as the manager. This is a really good question from Alexandria Seaborn, who. Every time she asks a question, I go, crap, she expects us to be smart. And it's really, really tough to answer these questions. <laughs> Alexandria, you're phenomenal. Um, this question is, what concessions does the front office make to bring in a new coach at this time? Who gives up control and part of their duties? And it's a great thought because one of the pieces of the report that came out about Fonseca was an indication that the front office was willing to let him do pretty much what he wanted. It, mm -hmm. it, which is it sounds similar to what we kind of heard about Gabby. Right. So mm -hmm. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how different that would necessarily be at this point. But I think everyone involved understands what's on the line here. And hopefully there's enough fear and also learning from past mistakes that they'll let the, the manager do what they feel comfortable with. That, that's my thought. Yeah. Yeah, um, it is an it's an interesting question. I, I do wonder if it depends on kind of on the manager and kind of mm -hmm. what agreement they make when they're in the interview process as to how the relationship is going to be. Because, well, I mean, one of the reasons you have a technical director is to to make those decisions. But of course, the technical director has a lot of other duties that they're responsible for. And so you, if you say, oh, well, you know, the manager can have more you know input and decision making in the first team roster, then that's fine. You know, you, you can work with something like that. And I think that that's yeah, like you said, that that was clearly something that was already in place with Gabriel Heinz. I mean, my understanding of the Alan Franco transfer was that no one in the front office was necessarily as determined to get in a center back that it was Gabriel Heinze who was demanding that they get uh, another center back in um, and, a, you know, a one that he preferred from Argentina and that, you know, getting in Alan Franco was mainly his doing. Um, also, guys like Santiago Sosa almost surely came on the recommendation of uh, Gabriel Heinze. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the coach here has had input now um, that I think that that was kind of something that they decided they wanted to do more of after the Frank DeBoer experience. Yeah. Um, according to Felipe Cardenas's reporting um, and just everything we've learned since then, it was like that Frank didn't really honestly know that much about what was happening with the future of the roster. <laughs> and um, it was a surprise to him. I think when some players were dealt or didn't come back or whatever. So um, I think it makes sense for the coach to have a lot of that input, but um, I'm not sure exactly how it would change. And, and honestly, if it, if a certain coach wouldn't maybe have more of that control than a different coach, specifically like Fonseca versus Pineda. That's exactly right. Uh, that's exactly right. Fonseca is going to have way more decision power than Gonzalo Pineda likely. Right. And, and to be, yeah. And I think also part of it, to be fair, is like if you have a Gabriel Heinze or a Paulo Fonseca, they also probably have some recruitment pull as well, where it's like you would want them to have that power because they can actually help you attract those kinds of players. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there we go. Well, Alexandra, I, I hope we kind of hit at the heart of that. I hope that that yeah. made. Yeah, <laughs> it's a tough question. It really is. It really is. It's a good we'll one. Find out really for a while. Honestly, uh, Christian asks: isn't coaching continuity slash stability important by targeting big name coaches on two to three year contracts? Aren't we looking for problems? Please talk me off the ledge. And it's something that I've kind of seen people bring up as well uh, in regards to this coaching search in regards especially to someone like Pineda coming again right like that's kind of the one of the main reasons people are like oh we need someone in MLS who can build things out and someone in the discord I, I don't know who it is right now I'll go back and thank them later but kind of listed out the guys who are sitting near the top of the league right now and it, it's it's Brian Smetzer it, it's Bruce Arena it's people like Jim Curtin who have stayed there for a long time it's people like what greg vanny built at toronto right and is now starting to build with the galaxy those guys were there for a while and built things up peter vermes you know and and that kind of continuity seems to be 
maybe more effective than some of the more Euro snobbish MLS folks maybe want to admit, you know, I, I don't know necessarily if it's going to be a total disaster, which speaking of total disasters, it feels appropriate that I said the <laughs> word total disasters. And then the fine dog straight up kicked my audio box off the ledge here. Um, so maybe that's an omen. I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, that was man, incredible. maybe there is something to it. Maybe there, yeah, maybe there really is something to having someone who can just stay in place. And if Pineda is that guy, then you know what? Winning for a long time seems fun. Let's do that. I would definitely put myself. I would admit that I think I've um, underrated how Flip important continuity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think you can do it. I mean, I think it's, I still think it's possible to win with. Um, new managers. Um, even Frank DeBoer had success in his first year. Um, you know, how much of that is due to actually, you know, what he was doing as manager is, is debatable, but uh, you can have success. But I, I, I definitely have underrated the the importance of continuity. Um, but again, if you're if you're swapping out players as well, then I think it makes some more sense to also, you know, if you're swapping out kind of players and coaches, um, then you give a new coach an opportunity to come in with more of a blank slate than most coaches would in, in uh, an MLS context and be able to kind of rebuild the team in their image. So, you know, it's just different approaches that different clubs take. And I think that, yeah, you're right. What we're seeing right now is the teams that have taken more of the continuity approach are definitely having more success. Um, and so, and I would even throw like a guy like Bob Bradley in that as well as like a coach who, um, you know, has really good ideas and is clearly an ambitious guy, but as it seems like he's really laid down roots in LA and, um, is really kind of forming that club into, into his image. And they're just building a a club that around him pretty much. So, um, it would be interesting. I I would love to have that kind of figure, uh, in Atlanta. I think that that's what everybody kind of would have liked in Tata. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would, I would be all for it. It's just finding the right guy. I think somewhere along the way, we kind of got mixed up with the, the rotating players in and bringing guys in and selling them on. And we kind of that got that conflated with the coaches as well. And I don't think you necessarily need to do that with the coaches. You can do it as a model with the players. I think when you bring in talented guys and continue to kind of sell them on and just bring in players who are good at soccer, the guy who's in charge of managing that doesn't have to change all the time either. It probably makes it easier to bring in guys and rotate them in and out. You know, it's probably way harder to balance two spinning plates, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So maybe this is kind of what is necessary to to help settle that and let the team continue to build on the model they've created as far as transferring players and everything like that and building a roster and having that steady kind of foundation that that centerpiece keeping it all together that kind of yeah, makes sense no, to i me. agree i agree i think if they could find that guy then i think that that would be ideal for especially this organization an organization that's been mm-hmm. through so much turmoil here lately exactly exactly jonathan asked this and it's a good way to kind of end the question segment what's your expectations for this season at this time assume that the new coach at almada arrive my expectations i think where we should be at is we should considering that we are making big moves, expect some kind of push towards a seventh place spot. Mm -hmm. But anything more than that feels out of the picture at this point. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. It's like, you know, and I'm, I'm trying in my own head, just reading this question, I'm trying to discern like what is actually my expectation versus what is my hope. (laughs) And my hope is that this team will be able to, you know, make that move up the, up the standings and get into that playoff spot. And just to to be able to play play in a playoff game would be exciting. Um, But again, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what my expectation is at this point. Um, I think my expectation is more of this team maybe improves marginally, but not substantially and just kind of peters out, you know, and doesn't make a make a playoff appearance. Just just do enough to get us excited for next year. Yeah, that would be. I think that's all all we can ask at this point. God, it's so sad. And if that ends up, (laughs) it is sad. And if that ends up being like a seventh place spot, cool. You know, this team does it and probably won't have enough to, to get past what's a pretty loaded conference at this point, mm-hmm. you know, and getting the seventh spot is going to be somewhat of a remarkable thing just because, you know, you have 
a DC United team on the rise in front of you. You have Red Bulls in front of you. You have Montreal. You have teams who are playing simply better right now. So a lot's going to happen. I think, uh, you know, I've just been thinking more in my head about, you know, what a what we want to see from Atlanta United. And I think that really the most important thing for this team to get back to, and maybe, and I'm sure a lot of this comes with moving yourself up the league standings and into the playoffs and things like that. But the game day experience and just like the excitement level in the mm-hmm. fan base and, um, you know, people marking on their calendars that they've got an Atlanta United game to go to. Like, that's really what Atlanta United needs to get back to. Um, they could win the league and if nobody's showing up and it's just dull, then that's not worth it. You know, um, not that I think that would happen, yeah. but I'm just saying like in general, like soccer is about the experience of watching the team and going to the games. And so that's really what they need to recapture. And maybe if we can get if we get some glimpses of that by the end of the season, that there is more excitement, that it is a more entertaining product to watch, then that could be something that you build off of as well. So what you're saying is the team needs to bring the five strikes. to <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I think. I think yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe rapid fire will fix everything for us, Joe Patrick. Uh, Rob, ask what the what the <laughs> f is going on? It's a family show, Rob. It's a family show. I don't know. I'll tell you on Friday. That's what's going on. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Uh, a fedora with safari flags. Ask why the heck is it happening? Uh, why is it happening? I think plate tectonics. I'm gonna go plate tectonics. Kirk Castle asked if Fonseca rejects Atlanta United's offer. He did. Which other one-time Tottenham Hotspur coach <laughs> candidate can we expect to hear about next, Joe Patrick? Oh, man. It could be any number from uh, the Darren Eels Rolodex. Let's just hope it's not... Uh, shit, what's his name? Tim Sherwood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, wait, did Antonio Conte interview oh, for yeah, that job? Oh, He did, yeah. No, well, I, okay. I don't... Yeah, I think hey. he did interview. Hey. Okay, cool. There yeah. we go. Perfect. Uh, T-Roll asks, why slash what the frick is going on? I like how we got progressively Man, we- <laughs> more family-oriented with these questions, guys. Uh, don't know. We'll figure it out later. Talk to us on Friday. Uh, can't use that. Ask, a team from Europe comes in tomorrow with a fair offer for Miles. What's the amount? A fair offer for a USMNT center back with high upside at age 24, though. 12. 12 million. 17. Ooh, okay, cool. I like it. I like yours better. Uh, Tony asks, what will happen first? WWE superstar Kevin Egan getting body slam <laughs> suplex through a table or Boca out? I really hope it's the first one <laughs> yeah. because that'd be awesome. And Kevin would be amazing telling whatever story yes. that would be. Uh, I don't think he's quite there yet. I don't know if he's quite like ingrained with his character enough into the WWE scene to be like a, a mm-hmm. plot point, <laughs> you know? But I think yeah, he will oh, yeah. get there. He will get there. But if Carlos is out by March or whatever, which he might be, I don't. I think that probably shout out first. Kevin Egan for uh, the ESPN gig. That was fun to see him. I didn't didn't expect it. It was just like came on yeah, after absolutely. the Atlanta game. It's like, oh, there's, there's Kevin Egan. He had the ESPN gig, and it was like such a, a jarring moment to go from Nani scoring <laughs> yeah. a late winner to, oh yeah. hey Kevin. Cool. Tony asks, ranking preference, Armis, FDB, Ben Olsen, Jason Christ, James O'Connor. Joe, go. I'm going FDB one. That's where that's where it starts. Ooh. FDB. Oh, gosh. Christ. Olsen. Armis O'Connor. I'm going to go Armis first. Just because I don't know. I think like if we if Atlanta was like pressing a shit ton, yeah. that'd be fun. Armis, FDB, it would work better with this roster too than it worked yeah, in fair. Toronto. Or at least theoretically what this roster is supposed to look like. Armis, FDB, Olsen. Oh, it's in order. Armis, yeah. FDB, Olsen, Christ, <laughs> exactly James O'Connor. Perfect. Thank you, Tony. Keeper, um, un- Tony unanimous also last. <laughs> yeah, no, he just he was not Competent. Tony asks, since Hernandez is doing well, what's the likelihood they'll get rid of Brooks Lennon and how much Tam Gam can we speculate to get? But I don't think that's happening. Not at, yeah, yeah. nope. Uh, Pierce asks, how long is Jurgen Dam's contract? Joe, do you know? No, we don't know. It could very well, if they were paying him so much, it very could could have been a, a short-term deal. I'm, I'm hoping that it's after this year, or that at least they have an option to get out of it. If not, I think he would be 
clearly the number one buyout option for this team, uh, which you get one per offseason. T Roll asks, what was your reaction to Robinson's goal? Like, what audible sounds did you actually make when you saw it? The fine dog was asleep next to me. I didn't want to wake her. So it's kind of like when you're in a press box and you want to celebrate where you kind of like inhale and clench up and just smile and look around and see if anyone else is smiling too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gave a, a I gave one fist pump and then I stood up and gave the other fist pump <laughs> and then I was like, let's go. Love it. We love to see it. Nick asked, does Joe. Oh, I like this. This is a good one. And on Nick asked, does Joe know what the J and J Sam stands for? Have him guess in rapid fire. Joe, the silent J. What does it stand for? Doesn't it stand for Joe? Yeah, I'm Joseph. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So we're, we're, I'm, I'm kind of insulted that you decide that that can be silent. Like, mm, yeah, Joe, no, let's keep that silent. Yeah. Sam, Sam's the doesn't, name. Doesn't quite fit. Doesn't quite fit. And that was <coughs> rapid fire, Joe. I thought. Oh, oh, oh we missed one. We missed one oh, yeah. from Gabe. Gabe, Gabe has to. I think Gabe maybe worded this incorrectly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He says, who would be your cast in Atlanta United, the musical? And I don't understand what that means. Like, am I getting like Broadway stars, like um, even Obozada and Aaron Tivet to like be in the Atlanta United musical <laughs> is Joseph who I'm casting as the lead. Like, I don't quite understand exactly. I, That's such a broad question. That can't be rapid fire. Yeah, we might have to go I into guess. that. So maybe the next time we can come back, like what musical is Atlanta United? supposed right. to be and right. it's like which one's like really depressing like i don't know like cabaret and everyone die and like in the cabaret <laughs> and everyone's just sad and I, don't I don't know um we'll figure that out later okay get at us get at us at the patreon if you guys want to have any more audio come to you audio content whatever it is we do over there i'm gonna get do i'm it. gonna get a twos report out we haven't done one of those in forever i meant to get one out a long time ago i never got around to it so we'll get that out it's been they got they got good stuff going on it's the most wholesome part of this club right now so we might as well get everybody up to speed For on sure. it Sure, i'd imagine we may get some homegrown announcements sometime soon as well yes if, yes if we may indications are correct um so we got us so we got other interviews and stuff like that we'll have an interview coming up this week with someone we don't know who yet we'll get on that asap but we also got the discord <laughs> as well where we sit around and talk about Lady United and other dumb stuff as well. It's a lot of good content, a lot of good folks in there. Join us at patreon.com slash five stripe final Joe. Anything else before we get out of here? Let's get a score prediction. I'm going to say 1-1 Atlanta United Montreal. Oh, crap. They're games, aren't they? Yeah, Montreal and Columbus yeah. this week. Uh, against Montreal, I think 1-1 makes a lot of sense. Against Columbus, I think it's another one nothing loss. And Caleb Porter can go on and talk about tall trees or whatever the shit he was talking about again. <laughs> Even though he got I'll say smacked. I'll say Atlanta gets a one no win. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. All right. Hey Caleb. All right, let's go out of here. Bye y'all. Thanks for tuning in everyone to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.